mean, if you really want it, if you really want it, it just makes sense to me. You're going to do anything it takes. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Sports Artie Snippets. I'm Liz Waluka, a registered dietitian and board-certified specialist in sports dietetics. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you a sports dietitian guest that will share advice, insight, and rewards of the profession, snippets of their own career path to becoming a sports RD. Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports RD Snippets. I'm super excited to have Anthony Zamora today on the podcast. First episode of 2021, Happy New Year. Better days are ahead, for sure. Anthony is a chef RD that will inspire you to put your time in, work hard, and ultimately chase your dreams. Anthony Zamora is a chef and dietitian for the Utah Jazz of the NBA. Prior to working in the NBA, he spent four seasons with the St. Louis Los Angeles Rams. Anthony strives to go above and beyond every day to serve as athletes, staff, and students at the highest level. Anthony loves to learn and is continuously looking for ways to refine his leadership and teaching skills. He is committed to using his platform to give back by helping to grow the sports nutrition profession and develop strong leaders. Anthony became a preceptor for the Wellness Workday's Dietetic Internship in 2018. In this season, he is additionally serving as a mentor for the Gatorade Sports Nutrition Immersion Program. Anthony graduated with his nutrition degree from the University of Tennessee and completed his dietetic internship with Wellness Workdays. Let's jump in and let's meet Anthony. Hi, Anthony. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Liz. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you. Just so everybody knows, first off, Happy New Year. Happy 2021. Better better days ahead. Can't get worse, right? Um, but Anthony was requested three times. So thank you for your feedback on the Instagram page. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. And tonight is the first game for the Utah Jazz. Yes, it is. Wow. Yeah, we are in we are in Portland right now, getting excited for our season opener. Wow, we are recording this. It's December twenty third, but this will come out on January sixth. So yeah, first first NBA game tonight. So thank you for making time to come on today and um, share your story. So um, I like to start these episodes off with how we know each other. So we were just talking a little bit before the show, but what's really funny was. My sister in 2016, I'm from Boston originally. She like called me. I was in, I think I was in North Carolina doing SNP. And she was like, oh, my friend Christina lives with this girl named Flea that um, her like, I think probably fiance at the time or like your boyfriend, but um, she was like, he's a nutritionist. I don't know what she said, but it was like, I don't know if she said you were at the rims, but it just sounded like not sketchy. But you know, when you're like, our world's so small, I don't really know. I was like, oh, that's cool. Like I didn't like disregard it, but I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like. So like, you know, yeah. cool connection. But then I think I met you in person in 2018 after I think I spoke at on behalf of at the conference. Yeah, in Indianapolis. Yeah. And that's when I met you. But I was like, well, now it's funny because clearly you're very legit. But I was just like, oh, that's nice. But you were at the Rams and were you at the Rams in 2017? Yeah, yeah. I started there with my first internship in uh 2015. Okay. Yeah. That's so funny. All right, so let's jump in. Can you take us through your career path up until this point where you started and where you are today? Yeah, so my career in the field of sports nutrition, it all 
it really started with um, myself getting to meet and volunteer for Miss Allison Maurer at the University of Tennessee. Uh, she was a great mentor to me and helped me get my foot in the door to continue to meet some really great mentors. I had been in the nursing major and I made two C's, which was uh, my junior year. We were like in clinicals in the hospital and you can only make one C, otherwise you're out of the program. So I made two C's and then they kicked me out. And I was just like the world, my world turned upside down. What am I going to do? And I loved, you know, fitness, training, nutrition, that whole kind of world. It was very interesting to me just how you could, you could work on, work on your own body, help other people. I was like the biggest, the biggest little chubby kid um, throughout like middle school and high school, um, like sixth grade, I think I was like 205 but like no muscle or anything, you know? Um, so I, you know, I had been just interested in, in uh, you know, what food could do, the power of food. And I switched to nutrition. It was all, like all the same prereqs. So I was like, I only get set back one year. And then um, the athlete dining hall at University of Tennessee, of course, had the best food on campus. And at the time it had become closed down to where it was athletes only. Yeah. So um, I had eaten there just like as a student, like we were, everyone was allowed to my first two years. And then after that third year, they shut it down. And so I was kind of asking myself like, Hmm, like I like nutrition. I'm in nutrition now. Like, is there a way I can keep getting this good food? And, um, so I, I reached out on email to Miss Allison and I sent her my resume and my cover letter. And I was like, I love the opportunity to, to talk to you and volunteer. Um, if you have a spot for me. And so she put me on that following semester in uh, 2014. And she gave me this project. She says, hey, Ann, I'm going to put you in charge of making um, fresh juice for the football team. Coach wants juice. So I was on her schedule. I believe that it was like, um, I think like six or eight hours a week. It was like three, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the afternoon. And uh, I started coming in in the mornings before my classes. I'd start up there um, around like 5.30 or 6, whenever the first person came in to open, I'd start with them and make the juice like for the day so they would have it for practice. And to me, I didn't really know anything about like work ethic or initiative. It was kind of just natural. Like, well, it makes sense. Like if I said I was going to do juice, like they don't stop practicing if I'm not here. So if I'm responsible for it, I got to do it. So I started doing that. And after a few months, she was just like, Hey, um, Anthony, I got an opportunity for you this summer. It's an unpaid internship in St. Louis. And I was like, all right, sure, whatever. And so before my senior year, um, I got to go spend the summer with Sean Zell and in St. Louis. And that was, that was kind of how it all started for me. Just uh, making juice with Miss Allison. And my plan um, with Sean, because he invited me after that summer, he's like, hey, go back to school, go graduate. And then um, we'd like you to do a seasonal internship with us. And so I said, okay, that'd be great. And I started that seasonal internship and we had another um, great dietitian on the staff, uh, Nick Arcuri, he's with the Boston Celtics right now. And so it was Sean, Nick and myself and we were kind of this like uh, three-headed monster. It was all these different personalities, but we, we got together got together really, really well and did some great things for, for the athletes at the time. And then 
got an amazing opportunity in Milwaukee and he did that. And I, I want to say it was like our, our last preseason game. He like broke the news to us and it was like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go do this. And then um, during Nick's, you know, negotiations with the football team, he got a great opportunity from Memphis. And so right after Sean went, you know, Nick was like, Hey, you know, sorry, bro. Like it's, it's all you. And so I'm this like um, deer in the headlights intern and our head AT, he says, hey, Aunt, you know, um, we're not going to hire another dietitian right now. Like, you know how to run the program better than anybody that we're going to bring in. So we're just going to let you handle it from an operation side. And um, I was just like, all right, let's go. And so, of course, like I had to at that point, like really believe in myself and say that I could do it. And um, of course, like I had no idea at all what I was doing it was just completely thrown in the fire. And I remember meeting with my director of operations and our head AT after four weeks and starting the season. And they're like, hey, you know, um, we're 20 grand over budget. Like, we got to do something. What's going on? Because I was just like, oh um, you know, one of our guys made like the game winning play um, on the road in Arizona. And I'm on the plane saying like, hey, we need scallops for the victory meal on Tuesday. Those are his favorite. Like, just kind of like, you know, let's make it happen, order whatever. And so... Um, they were like, all right, well, we'll like, we'll fine tune the numbers, you know, like instead of, instead of 125, like, why don't we make it 115 and like, it'll balance out, but don't worry. No one's going to care if we go over on food, it'll be okay. But I was really, um, after I got exposed to like the numbers and like the budget and stuff, I was like, oh, well, this is, this is some really cool stuff and, um, I could make it make a difference here. So I asked myself, all right, well, you know, how can we save money? And it's like, oh, well, we could um, easily, like, instead of having breakfast catered, you know, we've got this small little, um, like, prep area back here where we make, you know, fresh fruit and salads and stuff for the guys. There was no, like, actual kitchen at that place. Um, we had, like, a grill on the loading dock, which we utilized from time to time. But I was like, oh, we, we can, um, you know, just, like, stay late and, uh do this prep work and you know do the breakfast ourselves and so we go from spending whatever it is 15 ahead to um all right we're gonna do it on our own you know um i had someone else working with me like you're gonna run the omelet station and so we go from 15 to like three ahead and so just over the time of the season doing that um we ended up finishing like 70 grand under where we had been projected at the start of the year wow. so that was just like um I learned, I learned right there that it was like, I just, I loved to work. I love to work. And I was loving just the service aspect of like creating these great experiences and kind of like helping people to find their routine and stick to it in any way that I could. I remember our office was uh, like half office, half stock room. And I was hanging up my Eno hammock on the stock shelves and like three nights out of the week, I would sleep at work because I was like there stocking and making stuff look pretty like so late. I was like, I'm not going to waste the, you know, 45 minute total time to travel back and forth to my house. So I just, I would just sleep at work straight up, um, oh shut the door, you know, <laughs> put, put a blanket on and, and, uh, you know, wake up at five and just start rolling. So those were those were great times and I, I really I really value those times now because when the going can kind of get tough and you get down on yourself, um, just mentally I can I can dig back to 
to those memories and say like, hey, you did it here. And, you know, um, this is nothing compared to that. So you can do it again. So that was uh, that was really, really how it went up to, to now. So I ended up doing my DI while I was still working full time with the Rams. Um, did the move to L.A. and everything. And um, when Coach Sean McVay took over, I got to stay on their staff in 2017 and got to work with Joey Blake, who was hired on at that point. And he helped me out so much because he was helping me to create time to be like, all right, well, you can go get your clinical hours like on this day is the player off day. So come in and, you know, we'll get the breakfast going. And then, you know, you go spend like whatever, six hours in the hospital to get your clinical stuff. And so I ended up, uh, you know, it's 18 months to do the DI for me, just like, you know, chipping away at it. And um, I got to sit for my exam in uh, 2018, finally. So it was, it was a little bit of a longer path, but got to, got to do that and move um, in between the, um, 16 and excuse me this was yeah so between like the 15 16 and the 16 17 season um i did a three-month culinary program at boston university got it and that was that was that connection and fleet was up there doing her school at the time um but going to culinary school was really cool and, you know, I, I can't really say I went to culinary school because it was just a little like, you know, three month program, like um, no disrespect to any of the culinary professionals who will spend, um, you know, two years plus doing a gastronomy type of degree. But it was really eye opening to me for how much I didn't know. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So we get to L.A. and, you know, it's kind of the same situation where as a sports RD from a food service side, you know, we're just coordinating meals with caterers and, you know, how can we make this better? How can we do this? Trying to like think around these problems and create new ways to do things. So during um, OTAs, I went down to have dinner at a restaurant called Wolf and it was uh, on Melrose. And I met the chef that night. I was like, hey, this food's amazing. Like I was blown away. Like, could I work with you for free? And his name was Marcel Vigneron and I didn't know like who he was at all at the time but dude's been on Top Chef and uh, he's kind of like in the uh, celebrity chef scene Um, but once again it's another amazing human and I started working with him and he had been trained classically um, in Europe worked many years with a famous chef rest in peace uh, Joel Rubichon who has uh, restaurants around Vegas, Miami, um, you know, like, I want to say it's in, it's in Tokyo or Shanghai or something, but he's, he's global and um, he's, he's very famous and has done a lot for the the culinary scene, but Marcel kind of grew up working with him. And then I got to work with Marcel and I was seeing all these things like, like infused oils and different types of foams and sous vide technique and stuff I had never even really heard of. And so, he got me thinking even more and it's like okay how can we bring this this aspect of like you know fine dining kind of molecular gastro and combine that with sports nutrition Mm. and get these guys like excited about eating you know quote-unquote weird foods and 
um, gosh, it's so cool. We served for our post-game meal just uh, last week in Salt Lake. I had, it was a like bison curry with kale and chickpeas. And literally every person, including like the staff who walked out of that locker room and passed by the pregame meal, I was there with um, one of my interns right now. And they were, I'm like, hey, we got this, um, you know, bison curry, kale, chickpeas. And they were all like, yes. And I was talking to my, my, my intern. I'm like, have you ever seen like a whole entire group be like so excited about something that's, that's kind of would be considered like a weird food? She's like, no, like this is crazy. So just, um, I, it's, it's amazing just like the buy-in that we've been able to, to generate around like cooking with love and that whole like relationship aspect where it starts in my opinion like with the food that we can produce for these guys but but back to back to LA um I I got a call from the Utah Jazz their consultant RD at the time um another great mentor for me Samin and um she's out of ASU um she's an awesome professor over there but um, she called me, hey, the Jazz are looking, and it was August, like we had just finished training camp, and I had kind of remembered that feeling that I felt when, um, you know, Sean had taken that opportunity, and I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to leave at that point. I was like, I'm sorry, like, it's just not the right time for me. Like, we just had camp, like, the energy was amazing. I would consider Coach Sean McVay to be one of my mentors because of just seeing him lead the team with this like confidence and swagger but not cocky at all but just like care about the guys and you know command respect like just seeing that whole thing I was like I need to be around this guy because he is an amazing leader so I was like it's not the right time to leave right now so I went through that season learned a ton had a great time um, like I said before like I love working with Joey and he helped me get those hours so I could sit for my exam but um Samin called again. She's like, hey, we're still looking. And it was February. And I was like, okay, well, season's over. It's off season. Um, let's, uh, let's have a conversation. So I got on the phone with the strength coach and the president of Performance Healthcare. And, you know, we had started having conversations. I ended up going out for an interview. And it was, it was a great fit. So that was 2018. And uh, I got to start right before our 2018 playoffs which ended up being a crazy time because I was in there like one person making all the food I had one one woman who had been there setting up catering and she was helping me do dishes and but I'm, I'm kind of working this whole thing for it was like a three-week playoff push we had and uh I leaned on that time we you know when I was sleeping in the office because the hours were like that once again um but it was really cool because it was a great segue for me to quickly build a relationship so that whole entire off season, I was able to, you know, I already had guys numbers, already had a relationship, was checking in, you know, how can I help you? How can we make a plan for you to get better this off season? So um, I was, I was so thankful I got to start um, early in that sense and just get a jump, jump start on those relationships. And, and we've been rolling ever since really rolling since uh, April of 2018. Wow. That is amazing because like, I feel like just listening to your story and thinking it all just like goes back to helping out making juice for the Tennessee football team with Allison Mauer. And, and I love how you said too, like, 
you've always just had that work ethic, but something so small in a way that you did right and did well and put the time into, like turned into your dream job. Would mm -hmm. you say that's pretty correct? Uh, yeah, I think that's very true. I think that's very true. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> excited just, uh, you know, reliving the story and I, I can't wait to go out there um, the rest of today and, you know, find ways to, to make an impact and, and help the team out, so. What, what was it like doing your DI while working with the Rams? Like, was that super, super hard to balance your dietetic internship? And were you working full-time? Yes. I mean, that's probably like the most impressive. Um, was that really hard? Definitely. The, the off season was my prime time. And those were when I knocked out like the, uh, the like worksite wellness one, the community one. Um, I got to go spend 40 hours working at DaVita as part of my clinical. Yes. Cause you were in LA, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're and doing I was, distance internship. I was doing the distance program, which having to find my own sites um, made it yeah. a little bit harder. And I remember I emailed like 30 different hospitals and it was all like, no, we don't say people we don't know. We don't, you know, sorry, we have contract with this people already. And I finally leaned on my resources. I was like, why didn't you do it earlier, Anthony? But um, our head. No, I didn't know. I didn't know when I didn't get matched. I remember like now distance internships, I feel like everybody knows about them now. But back in 2015, I don't, it was like, it was like a last minute thing. Like I, no one knew like how to find your people or what to yeah. do. Like so many cold calls. And I think anyone listening to you, if you've called a hundred people and no one, no one's answered, like you're doing it right. Just keep calling and using your connections and, like, it's okay if you cry too. Like, it's it's definitely really rough. But yeah, start early is the advice there. Start early. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, like, my class at the time in the distance program, I think we had 40. And I know now the same class because I do um, two interns a year from that, that school still. That's um, wellness work. Well, wellness work day. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I've had interns there too. I think their class sizes are up to 90 yeah. now. It's really cool to think like, what you can do whilst you know having the ability to be flexible and live wherever you want and yeah get those experiences yeah so um it was it was the perfect program for me at the time because I didn't want to give up the job that I was doing because I, I loved everything about it and uh, being able to just find the extra time and, and make it happen so I guess I feel like you were almost a dietitian before you were a dietitian because you got so much hands-on experience like while you're in your internship is there anything, I guess, right when you became a dietitian, like in your like first or one to two years as an early RD, is there anything you learned about yourself during that time or any life lessons? Mm. Yeah, um, I think that for me, the big learning thing was, it's like we have all of the tools for our athletes, but you can have the tools, but if you don't have the relationship, then it's almost kind of meaningless. So how can you take time to get to know them as a real person, show them that you're a real person and establish a relationship before you start trying to counsel, give advice, because in, in what I've seen, just if they don't, if they don't know you, if they don't, you know, have respect for your craft or who you are, then it's like, you know, why would I listen to you? So I think that's a, that's a huge benefit of our, positions as full-time sports RDs because you're you're in there grinding with the rest of um, your performance staff 
and you know everybody sees you you're around there and you know they're like yeah like he works hard or you know he's just a good guy I'm gonna listen to him so I think that's that was it for me it's like work on relationships first yeah and it's interesting because I feel like as a chef RD it's like you do all those things but you guys get to give him like a nice warm meal and I feel like I'll be bought in right away right like I feel like that's such a special thing about being a chef RD is like I'm sure that helps with the relationship so much and like tailoring what they want but also helping them meet their performance goals too yeah yeah Liz it definitely does and I think that for this group size with basketball it's kind of the perfect fit Mm -hmm. because I can have enough um enough time to do all these like special little things but then also enough time to you know sit down at the end of the day and review a meal plan or even you know step out of the kitchen for a day if I need to and let my staff who does a wonderful job you know handle the operations for that day that it's not anything like um it's not like too it's not too much I think it's a great balance with um the size of our roster yeah so how many guys are on like a roster for basketball compared to football just so I can yeah um so we have like including what would be like your kind of P squad, um, 17 in basketball. And then, you know, for football, it's going to be 63. And then there's always in football, a couple of guys that you might have somebody on IR or just, you know, working back from the injury type of thing. So I say football is usually probably 65-ish. And then basketball, we're usually, we're always under 20. Wow. So moving from 65 guys plus to like 17, was that just like, did you feel like you appreciated it so much more because like you knew what you could do in them with a smaller, I guess, audience Mm -hmm. in a way? I was like, it was like all of the, all the love that I wanted to give the football team um, because we weren't really like cooking and it was all catering, but it's like, oh gosh, like I, I wish that, you know, I would have communicated better to, my caterer about how I wanted that recipe with the Greek yogurt because you know that memo got missed and they used like sour cream or mayo but it's like all those little like things that us as sports RDs love uh, modifying recipes it's like I can have confidence in myself that like that got executed yeah just uh, having that time it's so it's really a beautiful thing that's awesome all right so this is probably the question I wanted to ask the most so what do us regular sports RDs need to know about chef RDs? Like, just let us know what we don't know. Cause I want to know. <laughs> Whether uh, it's a typical day or like just anything that we should know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, there's a lot of cooking. <laughs> there's a lot of cooking. Um, and I think that, I think that sometimes, um, I wish that it was it was um, a little bit less, but you kind of have to appreciate what you do. And like, I don't want to wash dishes. I know that I have more like better things to do than washing dishes, but you know, for my whole staff, because um, my staff is kind of like half our culinary and then half our nutrition minded because I'm trying to give these mm. Um, younger dietitians coming up in the field like 
that feel of like this is what you know your culinary staff is going through so you can better speak their language you know when you're a director somewhere and like you'll know like all these little things that are in their day so um i do dishes too just to tell my staff that they're not on their own even though i could say like hey i'm above that like you go do dishes i'm back there you know at least 30 minutes to an hour a day like just putting my putting my work in with them so um lots of cooking lots of food stuff and I'm trying to think like any advantage you have over us besides like buying people's love with food or like cooking them a meal I think that's the big one because okay. what I've seen in settings of um like big caterings and stuff um like I always tell my people and I'm gonna do it today we're on the road before they um touch anything I'm gonna go taste everything and like I brought a little container of salt with me and most of the time I find that food is just under seasoned and people are afraid to go heavy on salt but the salt brings out the natural flavor of the food and so if you can plus we know like for athletes it's a great source of I was gonna of, say you know, yeah. right <laughs> so it's like you can cook good tasting food here but um kind of like the you want to play with this level of salt where it's like if you had if you had one more grain like they would say it's salty you know but you want to be just under that so um i think i think a lot of times just i see individuals in these these larger settings like they just they don't taste the food and it might be that their kitchen isn't set up like that but i tell everybody i'm like you know you've got to taste it before you serve it because like what if you serve it and like that you know that seasoning wasn't hitting just right like because every time um i love the example from brene brown about the like marbles in a jar as trust wait i love that that's Don't you love that one <laughs> yes and it's, it's I like love yeah that. so like every time you do something oh right or like it's a it's a encouraging moment then it's like you get more marbles in the jar and that's just like no one's just going to give you a full jar of marbles to trust them. You've got to build it up over time. So like every time we give them a meal with love, I'm saying like, Hey, that's a marble. And uh, yeah. gosh, it was so funny um, with one of my, one of my students the other day, um, somehow a meal got totally lost. The meal got totally lost. We're doing like a kind of like a la minute, like order fire service system right now. Um, this dude's meal was just gone. Like, we had it one minute and then I think I gave it to the wrong person or something. And, I was like, yeah, we just lost a marble. And they didn't know what I was talking about. And okay, then uh, so the example came up yesterday and they were like, oh, that's what you meant when you said we lost the marble. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so. no, that's exactly, I definitely, I've used that a lot actually. It's like, you know, someone does something good, the marble goes in and then if they totally just like, I don't know, do something wrong or just that didn't sit well, it's like, see ya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're trying to, we're trying to get more marble. Um, yeah more marbles in the jar that's amazing <laughs> I love that but, like COVID has really changed our our staffing and like the amount of people that are allowed to be in the building so I'm actually I'm in the kitchen like way more now than I have been in the past so I'm kind of trying to find more time outside of like the the work day when the players are there to do like my admin, my computer stuff. Um, I find that a great time for us as a Chef RD to actually have like one-on-ones with the guys is at pregame. 
Mm. Um, that's like my favorite time to hang out because it's like every time they're coming in the building, it's like they got to get to their um, their table time, right? But it's like after that, you know, it's like oh, I got to get home. But you go to the arena and it's like, oh man, I got two hours to just chill. So that's been like my golden nugget of, you know, having time to be personal. You know, we could talk about nutrition, we could talk about life, um, but that's been that's been that's been great for me. But I'm in the kitchen now more than ever. Yeah. Well, now that you just talked about COVID, let's let's talk about your experience in the in the bubble. Um, the bubble. The bubble. What was that? I mean, I did read your segment of the newsletter, but I'm sure a lot of people might have missed it. But um, yeah. But I, it's just amazing. But if you want to just kind of tell everyone what it was like, or just anything you have there. Yeah, I I think that I may have. I may have kind of alluded to it um, in that newsletter interview, but I really like words. Liz, I can't even begin to just describe like the depth of the whole experience. Like you, you had to be there and had to just like feel what it was like. Um, you know, you're getting tested every morning. The van leaves at like 6.05 a.m. You go to this furloughed kitchen um we're busting our butts to cook a meal or two a day for our team it gets like sent in by a courier and that was every single day and and really like physically I have never worked that much it was I was there for 45 days and I have never gone like every day like that like it was just and so I, I had to dive very deep into like mental toughness was the game. So I was leaning on affirmations daily, um, trying to be physically active. I would, I would get up before the bus and I would go outside and do a five minute like dynamic warm up, like before you're about to go, go work out just to kind of get my blood flowing and stay loose. But it was, um, it was it was so heavy and we had an amazing leader in there um chef sean loving he's a certified master chef which there's only 70 of those in the whole united states um he's got a it's a very high high designation you can receive but um he was leading us and helping us order and you know, I'd be like, hey, chef, uh, I need some red sauce. And he just like bang out this like amazing red sauce in like five seconds. And he was helping us all um, make sure our guys would get the best quality care. So that was a great connection that we all got to make. But I thought it was it was really cool and kind of spoke to the culture of teams that out of the 22 NBA teams that were in the bubble, only six chose to send someone from culinary. Everyone had the option to send someone, but only six did. So um with those other other five um, chefs, it was cool because I had like the RD background and they were more rooted in like, oh, I went to chef school, whatever. And so we were just learning from each other the whole entire time. Um, I was like, yeah, I like to use American Velveeta cheese slices. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like they're, uh, you know, high in protein, low fat, like this, this, this. And they're like, oh, it's so processed. And I'm like, but but it's but it's uh it's gonna be good and the guys love it and it's like nostalgic and whatever and uh just funny stuff like that um we had a great time though but i think the most surprising thing when i read um it's a student newsletter through cpsca i think it was that you were in a different bubble than the team right 
Yeah, it was definitely so hard. I feel it like. was definitely more difficult because we had all of the same regulations essentially as them. But for that whole time, I didn't get to actually interact with my team. And oh my god, I know that they were feeling for me, being like, you know, hey, we're all in here together, but like you're on your own, like, you know. So it was obviously so much love. Like you know, players would text me my performance staff was checking in with me constantly being like, you know, how you doing? Like, um, so they, they recognized the weight of just kind of like being on my own in that sense. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, like I said, it was deep. It was, a uh, it was a deep experience. And, you know, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't trade it for anything just because, um, of all the, the great connections I got to make and just the experience that it was. And, you know, I feel like that in those times of, your most challenging is when you can like look back you reflect on those and um you find you find joy in it you know so that is amazing uh, yeah it was really cool yeah so i know you've mentored a good amount of interns is there anything unique on how you mentor and any specific qualities you kind of look for in a student to do really well or be successful Mm mm-hmm yeah on the mentorship side something that i like to do is i'm always going to reflect inward on myself first before i cast doubt or blame on someone someone else so i'm going to kind of like if um you know you did something wrong or didn't follow the directions on the list like the first thing i'm going to say i'm not going to be like you did this wrong i'm not going to just say i'm going to say I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna say, you know what? I could have written that better and explained it better for you. That's what I'll always say. So I kind of always give myself the benefit of the doubt or like I, I lean it lean it on myself first. And I think that, I don't know if it's like a humbleness or like a humility where when I say that, I think that students really know that I mean like, you know, they know they messed up and sometimes they'll be like, no, like you wrote it clear. I just didn't read it. And I'm like, that's what I was looking for, but kind of just letting them know that I'm human too. And um, I'll say that stuff all the time. It's like, you know, I could have, I could have drawn it better. I could have explained it better. Or, you know, I, I could have put you in a better position to succeed. So I'll, I'll take the blame on that one. So I always kind of ask myself first, like, is it something that I did wrong? And I think that's helped a lot because um, none of us are perfect by any means. And the, them seeing that, I hope that it's a it's a tool that they can use um, in their future leadership roles uh, when they have their own students and you know working with uh, performance staff and the like. That just kind of that like no one likes the person who blames other people. So yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point because I think I do the same thing too because I don't know if this is where it kind of comes from, but I think because you know, obviously, like you said, like we're human too, but also we've been interns too. We've been students too. And I think for myself, I know what it feels like when someone, I don't, I don't even know at a time, but like, like you said, if someone's like, oh, you messed up or like you didn't do something right. It makes you feel like really bad kind of like, or then Uh now you're afraid to like mess up again. Or like you said, it just kind of breaks that. I don't know if it's like trust or just some sort of vibe, but, but yeah, I think I do the same thing too. Cause if an intern's asking me a lot of questions or clarification, like that's a hint to me that I obviously didn't explain it correctly, not that the intern's wrong. So I yeah. think 
I don't know. I don't know if that's like with a lot of like early dietitians or something that just being able to put yourself in the intern's shoes, that's kind of how I would relate to what you were saying. But, um, but yeah, that's a really good point. It's like, wait a second. Like I probably, if the intern didn't do something right, or maybe they did, but you just don't want to make them feel like really bad. (laughs) That's a way to help them recognize it without, you know, throwing it in their face. (laughs) Yeah. And it's been, it's been a really fun challenge in the sense of this is my first year traveling with the team Mm. um my third year with them first year traveling and I'm asking myself like I know that I can do a much better job now of um, communicating with my students and trying to give them what they need while I'm away so it's it's a fun challenge like I said trying to work that out but you know I know that there's always like for me like there's always ways to improve and that's something that we're always talking about I tell every student that I have that it's like, whatever you're interested in, I want to create a platform for you to pursue those interests and succeed here with our team. So, you know, if like someone came to me and they said like, hey, like, I don't really want to cook. I'd be like, all right, well, what do you want to do? And like, we, we, we would find a role and find a way for them to make an impact. And I'd be like, it's probably important that you learn this stuff for when you're having to talk to your chef and, you know, you can tell him instead of being like, damn, the pineapple's never cut the right way. You know, you can go back there and you can show him how you want it cut. And, you know, you can take a ruler and you can measure. I just did, I just did this for our hotels. I sent it to them out and I said, I want them to be one inch by half inch slices of pineapple so that I can put them in my little four ounce cups and the guys can just, just shoot them back like that. So giving, giving them, it's like, you know, create those details, over-communicate. Um, yeah, and so- then for an intern to, to be successful, I think just having an open mind and work ethic and being ready for anything, depending on the way my rotations go um, for the dietetic internship, for example, you know, I split two across the season. So pretty much you're coming in and, you know, you have a hundred days to make an impact, make an impression. And, you know, how are you going to treat that? Because a hundred days is, is nothing. hundred days go by like that. So as long as, you know, you're just ready to work, be a sponge, soak it up and like go the extra mile. I think that you will be successful in any field. Yeah. Any advice for students that want to become chef RDs? Yeah. I think that if you want to become a chef RD, that's a, that's a great choice. And I think that it's a very, valuable way for you to connect with your athlete. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways that you can do it. Like if you wanted to start with culinary or start with nutrition, I kind of, I kind of found it and have continued to, I mentioned Marcel earlier, another one of the caterers we used at the Rams. Um, his name is Alberto Vasquez. Like he was another great mentor of mine and all these people I'm still in touch with. So I think that you don't necessarily have to go to school for to be a chef. Like school will definitely help. I went to visit Chef Loving, who I mentioned. I went to visit his school. Um, he runs Schoolcraft College in uh, right outside of Detroit. And all of his students, like they could bang. And they're just like 19, 20 years old, but they were on it, efficient, doing all the right things. And that can be a great foundation for any career 
So culinary school definitely helped, but like you don't have to have it. There's so many different ways to get to the same goal, but as long as you know what you want and then you can take value in mentorship, like I've had so many great mentors of myself. That's a huge reason why I want to give back to students where it's like people have like really, really helped me out a ton. So I want to be able to give back that same thing. And for the student wanting to become a chef RD, you know, being, being open, being willing to work for free, do these things. You know, um, I think that a lot of that drive and initiative is kind of starting to become not as popular as it once was. So you know those things like people like that stuff and just you know it'll it'll continue to open more doors if, if you're open to to working and and giving it your all if i mean if you really want it if you really want it it just makes sense to me you're gonna do anything it takes right yeah no that's a really good point yeah and, and get a hammock right <laughs> get a hammock if you need it get a hammock. all right best advice you've ever received in your career up until this point so this one I was thinking about, you're doing a lot, right? And you feel like you deserve more, but instead of asking for more money, ask for more staff. Because the money will come, but if you don't have more staff, then you're just going to like really run yourself into the ground. Yeah. So make sure you're supported. Yeah, I think, and that was, that was some of the I went through personally and I got that advice and um, you know, I took it and now my program, we have like seven people working in the department that, that was like, you know, nothing. And we're able to do way more things and I'm able to give people their own autonomy, their own projects. Um, I have a girl who makes homemade bread for us, like on, on request. So like, and like our, our game day, like at home, PB and J's are on homemade bread. And it's like the most amazing, like, sounds good. She cuts them thick too. So like we do, we do half sandwiches, triangle tastes better, but like, you know, little things like that. Um, if I didn't have that other person on my staff, like that would, you know, the program wouldn't be as good. So, so you're getting more done without needing that much money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. I, so I think that if you if you make it about, I, I would love to I would love to make uh, I'd love to make make more. Of course, I think everybody would, but I think if you make it about the experience and the value you can provide, and kind of put the team before yourself, um, that stuff will eventually come. Yeah. But um, yeah. make it make it about the team first before it's about yourself. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. All right, ready for the rapid fire round? Let's do it. This was asked by an audience member who, she, she actually did know I was interviewing you and she wants to know, have you ever been afraid of a fire in the kitchen? Oh, this is great. So we had a, we had a time where I was involved, myself and my sous chef, we were involved with a, uh, it was like a team building event with the coaches and the performance staff. And uh, we were going to serve grilled wings on that day after. And uh, we have a grill out back. And the grill hadn't been cleaned before they were doing the wings on it. And um, the, the person responsible, you know, owned it after that. But uh, there was like a big fight. The grill totally caught on fire. 
out back and uh we were just like in this in this team building thing like on the court with everybody had no idea and back there behind the kitchen it's like um it's a glass wall you can see but like you can't hear and so back there um the rest of our staff um they were all just like like freaking out and uh we came back and they took care of it like and it was outside but um we did have a little fire um i do have a fire extinguisher though that's that's really close to the to the line but i haven't necessarily been worried about it and even that day like they they took care of it so i feel like i feel like if you're a chef rg i feel like you i feel like you're pretty tough like i feel like that's like yeah part of your everyday or something i mean like i check i check the gas check the gas every day and make sure it's plugged in but um yeah when uh when you think about things, they come to life. So I'm not gonna think about a fire in the kitchen because I'll wake up and then we'll have one. So I believe in the power of attraction and you know, yes. when you say good things happen, then good things happen. But if you say there's gonna be a fire in the kitchen, then <laughs> it's gonna be a fire in the kitchen. It might happen one day, so. All right, what part of the Chex Mix do you find the most inconvenient? Mm. Can I say that I really like the brown one? Like yes, the brown the cracker chip, one? The chip one? Yeah. But inconvenient. Um, maybe the maybe the little wavy one. Oh, the breadstick? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't I don't think there's a part I would remove, but I like the brown one the most. Are you a pretzel fan? Like I would I kinda wanna eliminate the pretzel. <laughs> I'm a big pretzel guy. Okay. My favorite pretzel is the uh, Trader Joe's honey wheat pretzel sticks. Oh, oh, I think I've had those. If you haven't tried them, then they beat the pants off roll gold. Um, I buy those in bulk from Trader Joe's. I send staff members and I say, go buy 10 or 20 bags of pretzel sticks. And uh, we bag them up individually in snack bags because I think they're so good that I have them on our fueling station. Okay, this is kind of a weird one. (laughs) A piece of advice that someone told you that wasn't true just in a general statement that, you know, someone who hasn't done it or even someone who maybe has, who will give you advice and say, no, that won't work. Like, I don't think that you can really believe a naysayer. And if they tell you no, but you know, you have committed in your heart to making something happen, then, you know, you'll find every way to make it happen. So I think that, you know, just the people, I guess you kind of can't, can't always listen to people like, my dad told me that I wasn't going to um, have a career in nutrition. And look, well, look at us now. Well, your dad so. going to listen to sports already snippets today. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, you should be a doctor. He was like, well, I, I want to do this. I want to do this instead. He's like, oh, no, mijito. It's not going to work. So. Oh, my God. Mijito means little son. That's so funny. But Weirdest food you've ever eaten? Chicken feet. Oh. Is it good? Um, it wasn't bad. I uh, we were having dim sum in San Fran, and uh, the table next to us, they were like, "Hey," to the cart lady, they're like, "Hey, do you have chicken feet?" And I was like, "Oh, is that like some secret thing on the menu I don't know about?" Right? And and so I, I ordered them too, and they were they were just kind of they were kind of okay. Have you had it chicken was, uh, it was weird. It was weird. You said what? 
Have you had kangaroo before? I have not. Tastes like steak. I had kangaroo teriyaki. jerky, but I don't know if that would count. Oh, it tastes like like steak teriyaki. Yeah. I was in Australia. I don't eat that on a regular basis. We have our players and staff in love with grilled octopus right now. Oh, I've never tried octopus. It is it is banging. We will braise it. It's that untraditional braise, just like on low heat on a stove for a couple of hours with water, red wine, and aromatics. Then you chill it, and then you char it on the grill with like olive oil and lemon. Oh. And it, it's just like, you know, charred, lemony. It's kind of a chickeny kind of thing, but we serve it traditionally with a sauce vera cruz which is like red sauce that has green olives in it um but they're going crazy for that one right now oh good to know all right if you could hang out with a cartoon character for one day who would you choose and why cartoon character for one day uh, there's a few good ones um i i grew up loving the the anime show dragon ball z so i would probably hang out with goku because he's uh yeah he's like he's like strong and saves the world and takes care of his friends and uh i would love to train with goku oh my god it's amazing uh <laughs> did you ever watch rocket power i feel like everyone did yeah yeah i did i'd want to hang out with like otto reggie well i guess you can only pick one otto they had, they had a cool squad yeah they went surfing every day all right last question are you ready yes if you could tell your younger Artie self one thing, what would you say? So this is, this is new for me because since COVID happened, I learned how to sleep. And then I also read the book by, I believe it was Matthew Walker, like why we sleep or the power of sleep, something like that. But I've been committing to getting like better sleep and turning off my electronics wearing the blue light glasses, you know, doing the things that we tell our athletes to do. I've been taking that way more seriously and I found myself to be way more productive throughout the day. Um, and just like more on my memories better, all these different things. So if I could tell my younger one, one thing, I would say figure out how to prioritize sleep. So for me, like in season now, um, when I have less time, I'm like saying no to Netflix at night. And so instead of Netflix, like I'll read for 20 minutes and then go to bed where it's like, I learned this kind of the hard way in the bubble where it was like the things that give you that instant gratification, you've got to say no to in the moment, like the TV on the couch, like it feels good. You want like one more episode, let's go. But you got to say no in that moment because like the long game, you'll feel better. So I'm kind of like in season now I'm saying no to TV shows and saying yes to sleep. And that's, that's, I think it's really helping me in my performance for the team. It's amazing. Go to sleep in 2021. Rest up everyone. It's going to be a good year, better than last year. All right, Anthony, thank you so much for being on today and good luck tonight. First game of the season. Thank you, Liz. No, I had a blast and, uh, yeah, I'm excited to listen to more of the podcast, and uh, I love what you're doing here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a yeah. good one. All right. Thanks, you too.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Sports Artie Snippets. I hope you found our conversation helpful today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Share the podcast or tell another sports RD to be or sports dietitian about it. If you can rate and review the podcast, it really helps the show and is much appreciated. Remember to follow along on Instagram at Sports RD Snippets to see what Sports RD guest is featured each week. I'm super excited to bring on my upcoming guests, so stay tuned. I'm Liz Waluka, and thanks so much for listening.